mic check. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. We get to friend. I hope that you ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rare room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and welcome to the Screenwriter's Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 100. <laughs> she Holy got it right, sad. y'all. Holy sad. See, right. Erica, every week we do this, and we got to sit up. there. She up. either gets it or she don't get it. <laughs> We've been doing it for four months. I am, I am getting it together, y'all. Oh she she been hanging out with she been hanging out with them little valley girls too long, you know. Well, rhythm all off and stuff, you know. <laughs> she wanted them slave to the rhythm. <laughs> hey, 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 you have respect hey, for Grace is my cousin. Grace I can Jones, talk to her. The high priestess <laughs> of freakishness. She is. She is. I love she her. Is. She is. Saint One of my Grace. favorites. Saint Grace. Saint Grace. Mm-hmm. I want to be her for Halloween. Grace, bitch. Thank you. <laughs> you want to be what? I want to be her for Halloween. Okay. Really? I can't quite get. I'm gonna get the. No, no, we can't cut all that pretty curly hair off, though. No, I'm gonna get the Eddie Murphy wig. So y'all hear us? We acting silly already. Again, we're on the Screenwriters Rant Room, and what we do here, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, the craft, stories, shit like that. (laughs) You know, we just go in on it. So, um, I know you guys just heard a voice a little second ago. As always. She always be yip yapping and jaw japping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my girl, Lisa Bolakaja. What we call you the what? Street nerdist. Why we call her that? Because of what? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I can bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Or I could just be my sweet, <laughs> nerdy, Did y'all hear that voice she just went off? That's how I normally talk. That's how I talk normally anyway. I code switch often, people. Just know that. Know that. (laughs) It just goes in and out. Depending on who I'm talking to and what's going on, I slip in and out. I am I am triculturally lingual. Okay. Good thing I didn't go to school because I don't even understand triculturally. Big ass Because when I leave the United States, I just become European with my Italian side of the family. It's like, you know what? American what? Please. <laughs> she be using her little fake French accent. <laughs> her little fake uh, British accent. Oh, well, hello, people. We are <laughs> well, here. As you see, we are silly as hell. So what's up, y'all? This is Hilliard Guest, and um, <laughs> they just call me Hilliard Guest. That's all, because I'm that cool. <laughs> I go, what they call you? Hilliard Guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord so uh, if you grown, let's get it in. Buckle up, people. So we got a cool guest for you guys today. Um, I call her my little sis. Every time I see her, she felt like my little sis to me. So we got my girl, writer, director, producer. God damn, did I forget something? Editor. God, what else? Uh, heart player. What else you play? <laughs> Piano. <laughs> Piano. Musician. Okay, Everything. composer. Damn, bitch. Yeah. I go, what you don't do? A, qu- a quadruple threat. Quadruple you know, <laughs> threat. Like. <laughs> we got my girl, Erica Watson, y'all. Who, 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 who? Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show. How you doing, girl? Thank you. I'm cool. How are you? She we looks good. fabulous, by the way. She don't she? Fa- she's very like that, the black hipster. Yes. She's, like she's a total guy. hipster. I'll have to post a picture up. She looks fabulous. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I had to match Hillier, you, you know, every time I see him, he was looking oh. sharp, so... I'm just got a little t-shirt. And I don't want to be busted. <laughs> busted. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so let's talk to you for a second. Where are you from? From Detroit. You're Detroit. from the D, like from me. From the D. I was born in the D too, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I but love we got Detroit. the fuck out. <laughs> I love Detroit. Do you really? Detroit is so wonderful. But, like what I mean, nice part of Detroit are you from? I live on the west side. Is that nice there? Twenty seven mile limit. It's very nice. You know, the yeah. images that they show of Detroit. So we was on the south side somewhere like, in a ghetto. I've been there. The ghetto. Mm, we I mean, everybody there. I went to school with when I grew up had six bedroom houses and parents had four and five cars. Really? Yeah. I mean, like these that are was black the norm. people. These, these are, are the norm. middle class black people oh, in Detroit, okay. but they always show, you know, this they negative do. They do. Like, they show all the burnt down homes and shit. Half, I don't. I can't <clears> even <throat> identify those places when I look at them. I'm like, what really? it's like that is not Detroit. Like, but psh, y'all I mean, Detroit does have some bad areas, but it's really nice. It's a really great place for writers and musicians. Exactly, and, and actually, the best they actually have that heard. new program they're starting now for writers to get writers to come and move into Detroit, really? where you actually get yourself a house. Yes. You do a fellowship. Really? There's a fellow, and you can get, and you have. I think you have to live there for at least three. You have to be there for a while. But the mm-hmm. whole idea is to get creative artists to be in the community. So I know they, they got, the you community. know, the whole thing with the film incentives and all that oh, yeah, shit yeah. like that. But now the they got it just for. Going. They just got it now just for like writers or any, you know. It's okay. it's on a come up, okay. and the only reason they talk shit about Detroit is mm-hmm. because it's a predominantly black city. I said it. <laughs> No, that's, that's, that's the truth. And it's like, yeah, I said it. It, it ain't got nothing it to do with the miles and miles and burned down There are other cities that got all kinds of stuff going on with it, too, but they just focus on Detroit or Chicago and all those mm-hmm. places. So I'm on to that. We know. We know what it really is. Mm-hmm. But Detroit, got you know, it's got a lot of potential, and people need to tap into that and stop being so negative about it, even though they be cutting off people's water and shit. But, you know, <laughs> like we in Beirut or something. But, you know. you stupid. Welcome to America. Hey. How you See, doing, people? We be getting crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit is really nice. I love it. <clears throat> Some of the best writers I've ever met in my life are Thank in Detroit. You. Really? Thank you. Dream Hampton is from there. Mm-hmm. A lot of great writers. A lot of great, great, talented people. Hmm. Music. Don't you know what? Music. Don't be fooled. <laughs> Don't be fooled. <laughs> you know, techno music was invented. In Detroit. Uh, thank you. What was that? What? Techno music. Thank you. By four black men yeah. in the eighties, invented. In fact, one of them. Oh God, I, I love him. I can't remember the name right I'm now. I'm a reggae. He just passed away myself. recently, so we know. You know, there's mm-hmm. great stuff in Detroit. Okay. Stop hating. He's like, I, I was born there. <laughs> yeah, but you left. <laughs> I got the fuck out. You left and you don't raise up your we Detroit. We lived in a you place. You don't raise up your Detroit We lived signs. in a place where I went back to visit my grandmother in 1984 and my fucker put a gun to my head. So I got a sensitive that side about Detroit. That could happen. happen. It's more likely to I grew up Andrews. in the worst <laughs> place in Northern California. And that should never happen to me. So Detroit is like way worse to me. What anyway. part of Detroit did you grow up on? I don't know. Somewhere was it on the south side or some shit. Was know. it winter when that happened? <laughs> no, it was summertime. People don't summertime. commit oh my crimes in the winter. <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk to you about, well, you had an interesting experience in growing up in Detroit. Yeah. That's, that's different. I never heard anybody from Detroit talk about the good side of Detroit. Yeah. It wasn't white. I wouldn't know how to do any of the stuff that I do today if it wasn't from Detroit. You talk about me playing harp. My I'm high talking school, about all that, all that. I mean, my high school in Detroit is the only school in the country to have a harp program since 1925. Wow. wow. They have nine harps. And you just know the black for school? free. Yeah. Wow. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, how did you, because I think you said when you were when you were a kid, you started writing. I think you said you wrote your, you know, yeah. was it a short story or was it a script? Or was it something you wrote when you were really young? What was that? Um, well, I started writing like little, as soon as I learned how to write. I remember one of the first things I wrote in like kindergarten, I mm-hmm. made a little book out of post-it notes. I was always, <laughs> always writing. Um, but it wasn't until fifth grade that I had a creative video class that we had to write 
learn how to write these scripts. And it wasn't in script format or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, that was what really piqued my interest in writing sure. films. But I, you know, even though I was writing stories and poems and all these mm-hmm. things, I wasn't able to get back into film until my second semester of college undergrad. Mm-hmm. When I was nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Now, how did you discover that you knew how to play the harp? Was that an accident, or did you pick it up, or what was that? I started playing piano when I was seven, right. and then the high school that I little went to. A little prodigy over here. <laughs> I ain't prodigy. My parents were like, you're going to do something. <laughs> so, oh, I used to hate practicing. They, I, they used to make me play for a half hour. I used to play the same note <laughs> for 30 minutes. <laughs> I like practicing now, but I didn't then. <laughs> and um, I went to high school as a music major at Cass Tech. Um, all the... There are nine pathways under each pathway. There are several curriculums like college. Okay. So my major was music mm-hmm. and all music majors had to take a year of piano. But because I was a piano student, mm-hmm. they allowed me to take harp because they have the same basic skills. Oh, so then really? hmm. I ended up playing harp and getting a partial scholarship for college. Wow. And my teacher in um, high school was my professor in college. Okay. And she's really awesome. Patricia Terry Ross played on many Motown records and mm-hmm. all that stuff. She's yeah. really dope. So... Yeah, that's how I started playing harp, mm. and I got it with me. You got it with you. It's in my apartment right now. Oh, I thought she's. I thought she's gonna pull it <laughs> out like, right now. I'm like, no. is it in your backpack? That big ass harp. Uh, <laughs> shipped it to me from Detroit. Really? Nice. Yeah. So nice. you back to playing in the game now? Yeah. So this is what I want to know. Go ahead. Going from music <laughs> to film, because mm-hmm. you graduated, you go to USC. Well, I just got my master's. You from just got USC. your master's from there. Okay, so. How did you make that switch? Because it sounds like you were on your way to a path almost like being a professional musician, Mm -hmm. you know. So what what was that moment where it's like, "Er, I'm a segue over here and get back to that 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 writing that you used to do when you were a child? Well, I was always writing. I just wasn't writing uh, screenplays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was 19, um, I started taking. um, I minored in film at my school and I had to take all the core classes that mm-hmm. the majors had to take. Mm-hmm. And I started a film production company with my best friend in Detroit in 2007 when I made my first short. Cause you guys did a couple of them there, right? Yeah, we did about 10 between 10, 2007 mm-hmm. and 2011, right before I moved here. You directed wow. all those or? Yeah, I wrote and directed. Wow. And it was, uh, it was kind of tough though because I was making all this film stuff and trying to write all these scripts. But then I was a full-time music student I had to play in. <laughs> Wind Symphony, Harp Ensemble, Concert Band, Orchestra. Mm-hmm. How many you jobs know? you got in mind? <laughs> so I would literally leave the concert and everybody else would be on set waiting for me. So I said, yeah. man, you know, I feel like I'm doing this, but mm-hmm. not really, mm-hmm. you know, 100%. So I said, when I leave, when I finish this, then I'll switch. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we started going to Cannes. Uh, was the first Allison movie? And I, the first one. The first short the first she did. The first short she did. What was the name of the first short? It was called Slam. It was about uh, slam poets in Detroit. It was a little documentary. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I went. I was 20. It was 2009 mm-hmm. with my best friend and partner, Allison. And then I just made a promise that I would go every year after that. It's, it's like a drug. So you're like, we are going to. So, all right. You make your first short. Mm-hmm. You go to Khan and you're like, this is it. I did you know Khan was as big as it was at that time? Oh yeah, I, mm-hmm. I write these things called like law of attraction lists. So in the was it the winter of two thousand eight, I was like one day I'm gonna go to the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was gonna be like a few months later. Because <laughs> <laughs> she would have been writing down. Oh, Let yeah, me get five million dollars. I'm gonna write some more stuff on that. Man, I write, I write all, the, I write, just everything that I write comes true. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a 
program called Creative Minds in Cam by this young black producer named Rob Ford. Okay. And um, it takes college students to the Cam Film Festival every year. Really? So the first year I went, I went with him, and I wanted to continue, but you know, I couldn't necessarily afford the program fee. Sure. So I started figuring out how can I do this on my own. Mm-hmm. So I started organizing the trips and then taking people with me mm-hmm. and getting roommates and doing the contracts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that really quick. <clears throat> for because I, I talked to um, um, I know a couple of people who got their films in the cans in the last couple of years, right? Short films in particular. And people always think, oh, well, you get into, you know, the festival, you're good. But not with a short. A short is you got in, you got to work your way over, you got to pay for your, you got to do everything. Feature film, they're like, okay, we'll pay for you to come. You know, you plus maybe your producer or whatever. Right. <clears throat> Let's talk about the um, the process of things you needed to do to get yourself ready to go for those people who want to go. For sure. And the can Short Film Corner is... Mm-hmm. In association with the Cannes Film Festival, mm-hmm. it's not the same as having a short in the Cannes Film Festival. Okay. Oh, really? But the film festival hosts the short film corner to, you know, invite mm-hmm. uh, filmmakers of short films to come. Mm-hmm. But having a film in the official competition mm-hmm. is different. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but well, first. Now, of have all, you been in the actual competition too? Uh, no. Okay. So you've always been in the corners. Somebody who's been films. in the competition would be like Orion Coogler Fruitville. Oh, okay, That's yeah, like yeah, yeah. different. Mm-hmm. But the short film corner is sort of like a digital library where they mm-hmm. collect, I think they used to take like 17% from the U.S. films from all over the world, the mm-hmm. ones that they think are the best. Mm-hmm. And then um, while people are at the festival, they can go to the short film corner and view your film. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's awesome. It's like so, it's like, so it's like an opportunity. Like It's kind of like... Um, Probably a little bit like how they do at, at Sundance when they have Slam Dance or something like that. Even mm. though they're two different things, sure. it's kind of a way like if you're there, hey, I might want to go check out some other shorts and things that I mm. might not have had an opportunity to see True. that not really affiliated with cons, the big one. But mm-hmm. hey, there might be somebody like, you know what, this stuff over here at the big cons ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Let me go check out to see what these newbies are coming out mm-hmm. with that might find something really awesome. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, they are they are connected, but it's just not the same category as, you know, being in the official competition. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean. But you're there. Yeah. And you get that work It's an extremely that. high honor. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, in, well, the first thing you have to have if you want to go is you have to have an accreditation because can is invitation only. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can buy a ticket to go to a film. You have to um, be invited. Mm-hmm. And being accepted by the Cannes Short Film Corner is great because they give you an accreditation for you and another person on your crew. Okay. Mm. Another way is to join the Marche du Film, which is the film market. If you have a company um, that you would like to register, mm-hmm. if they see that your company is real and that you're really making stuff, mm-hmm. they'll accept you and then you'll get badges for you and your employees. But those badges are much higher than a short film corner badge. So badges mm-hmm. have like a sort of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got to have that. Because I know a lot of people who buy tickets and they think they're going to go somewhere. I'm like, you just going to be sitting there because you're not going <laughs> to literally not, you're not, not, not getting in into anything. <laughs> I should have brought a badge for you to see. They scan it and it has your picture on it. Oh, and so you, you can't you can't jack somebody else's If you get caught with somebody else's badge, they can put you in jail. So really? It's like, I'm like, who going to jail for some movies? Like, <laughs> I'm not, not going to get locked up. So. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um... So yeah. that was the first movie that went. Yeah, was your first one. Uh huh. And then, 
Um, what was the process of the next ones? How many more and when? I've been canned six times, but the sixth time was in January 2014 for the festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, for, not for the festival, to shoot the film that mm-hmm. I did. Um, I don't know, it was just a matter of submitting mm-hmm. and hoping that my work was good enough to be accepted because they do turn people down. Sure. Um, and there were times that I got marketing badges too because I wanted to have access to do more things and okay. with a short film corner badge. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> now what does the marketing badge allow you to do? Um, you can go into private screenings. So like okay. if you're they have like if you're a buyer or mm-hmm. if you're a producer or whatever, like if Spike Lee's having a private screen, he's only going to let 30 people come. Obviously, he wants somebody who's going to buy it mm-hmm. and not, you know, mm-hmm. somebody, just anyone. So you have to have, um, there's an entire separate book of screenings of films that are being bought and sold. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting to see those because they aren't, you know, in the festival, but they're a part of the market, okay. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like you got the big festival, then you have all these, just a million things going on. Wow. And then there are pavilions for each country. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm always a member of the American Pavilion. Look at me plugging them right now. They should give me something. I'm always, because, you know. But you know, it's, for me, it's, (laughs) you're right. But for me, this is about, Lisa and I always talk about how um, we are interested in the steps somebody takes, you know, and I'm interested in the how, you know, how did you do whatever? Because Mm -hmm. somebody listening um, Mm -hmm. may be like, one day I'm going to get in the can, but not realize what they need to do. To be prepared to go, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm trying. Well, to Well, sure, Cannes is so much easier than people think. People yeah. are like, "What? You went to Cannes?" Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's really, it's, it's not that hard. But we're talking about thousands of submissions, right, from all over the world that you're competing. If against. you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's not. I mean, I've seen some of the films, including yours, <clears throat> and. I tend to think that they almost always, and I talk about it all the time, there's, there's, there's certain types of, I don't want to say formulas, but there seems to be things that they're more interested in that I've seen. Like, you don't necessarily see, like, big comedies and think they usually have, like, real personal stories, it seems to be. You know better than I do. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I've seen used to usually are, they're usually shot well, number one, <laughs> right? And number two, the stories are usually edgy, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes gritty. Like, your, your film to me is very edgy and gritty, um, the, the last one that I just saw. Um, and usually have a real personal story, like, tied in somewhere where somebody could relate to um, somebody struggling, you know, some underdog, and it's, like, always something going on. But I think you're talking about films that you've seen that have been in the camp from Festival with I'm the talking short about film short films. You're talking about from the short film Yes, corner? the ones I've that I've seen. all kinds of Funny films, wacky mm-hmm. films. I don't know. Well, I guess. I said, like I said, you've been there more than the well, ones I mean, that I've I don't know seen. Everything, but <laughs> I've only seen the few. I've seen seven of them, maybe, and they all were from other young, you know, black filmmakers. They always had a darker, you know, well, edge to them, if you will. You know, I haven't seen any of the comedies yet, but I can't lie and say I know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I just submit and hope they accept it. <laughs> now, let me just ask you this. Being that you submit to them and you get in, that do you think there's any advantage to the fact that you've been in before, <clears throat> or you think the judges are completely different every year, or what? What have you found? I have, I have no clue. Okay. How they think or what they choose, or mm-hmm. you know, I've never had an opportunity to talk to any of the people, but um, 
I would imagine they probably do for maybe the film market. They probably do look and see, mm-hmm. you know, if your company has been there before. Okay. I, that's just a speculation. I have no. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Know. Just yeah, curious on how that well, works. What connections have you made over there since you've been there several times? Have, have you run across <laughs> other filmmakers that have been in the same film festival? Like, hey, you were here last year like me. You know, let's let's stay in touch. Like, what is that like? That that kind of oh yeah, out? definitely click. I hang out with the same people every year, and it's like mm. no time passes. It's like I feel like I was just hanging out with them yesterday. <laughs> like I, people in London or people in certain parts of Africa. It's mm-hmm. like we it's the same people over and over and over again. Um, going to Cannes has allowed me to meet people that I always you know never dreamed that I would get to meet. You know, mm-hmm. being twenty years old and sitting. In the premiere of Precious, and I've met mm-hmm. Lee Daniels a bunch of times, mm-hmm. and getting a chance to see Mariah Carey or talk with Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. or Ryan Gosling or uh, James, or just whoever. Mm-hmm. These people are literally just like standing next to you. You're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and are they wondering, looking at you, like, who she is? She a producer? Is she who's this person? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but man, you weren't trying to work it. Like, yes, I am. Well, no, I'm writer just, extraordinaire. Pleased <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> I'm just honest about you know who I am and what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you did you go to school there for a minute? Did you do something over there in France? Never. It was just every time you went there, that's how you learned the yeah. language and everything. Was was when you were there? Well, I I don't know French fluently. My grandfather was a French interpreter in World War II, and he used to speak it to me when he was oh, really? living. So when I was in fifth grade, I wanted to be cool like him. <laughs> so I started taking French, but I was never fluent in it because um, I was just too embarrassed to try to. I always mm-hmm. thought I sounded stupid doing the accent. <laughs> but um, when I'm there, it's easy for me to read something and know what it means. Mm-hmm. And it, I can listen and know what's being said. Okay. And um, I know how to say what I need to say when I need to say it. It's like a weird, <laughs> like something I can re- never say. You can say. recall it all of a sudden. But I'm like, if I really need to say it, it'll come. But, you know, there are just tons of things they don't teach you in French class. Like, I remember uh, the second year I went, um, I turned on the bathtub and it was flooding into the apartment below us and we didn't really? know. And the firemen came to the door and they were like banging and they came in and they were talking French. I was like, nobody taught me how to say this. Mm-hmm. What do you say to a fireman when you're flooding somebody's apartment? You just point like uh, <laughs> there they go right there. We, <laughs> we. I'm so Detroit. I was like, don't open the door. <laughs> Yo, when we went to shoot this movie in uh, January, the police were banging on the door. Really? They were trying to get this old woman off the balcony. I don't know what happened, but they kept saying, "Can please open the door?" I said, "All right." Locked myself in the bathroom. Really? I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they want. They end up getting like a fireman's lift. To get the woman off the balcony. I don't know if she was elderly and couldn't move yeah. or if she had like. So your street smarts just them. kicked in. You was like, I ain't gonna be nowhere around these motherfuckers. I, <laughs> I don't know what they're saying, but. <laughs> okay. oh I don't God. know. You, you can't take me nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so let me ask this. So from your first short, what what type of projects do you like with your shorts that you're doing like is there a particular genre you like or that it really dramas like what compels you to start writing what you're writing i like human interest stories mm-hmm. um i don't know usually i may see the character like this is one character of the story that i'm writing now when i drive home at night i can see him mm-hmm. hanging his head out of 
the windows of like passing cars. I know that sounds mad crazy, mm-hmm. but if I can see it in mm-hmm. my mind, then I have to write it down. Um, I gotta say, I I want to start. I'm starting to develop features. I've done over 15 shorts, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of like okay. Ready yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because I've done about features. seven of them, and I'm like, okay, you know, like a year or two ago, I'm like, I'm done. But every year, somebody's like, I got this idea, I want you to produce it. I'm like, oh, actually, that's a pretty good idea, and I always end up getting stuck in them. <clears throat> but I have all intentions. So lately, I've been doing like pilot presentations and things like that, you know, to try to branch further. Do you find yourself, and you just admitted that, you know, now you're like, okay, now I need to go. Yeah, I mean, because the last one I did, I gave everything that I had. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. I you got to tell no Lisa more. about that one. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I can literally give no more. So I'm trying to think, what could I do that would be, what else could I do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I just shot this film in Cannes in uh, the winter called Hubado. On film, by the way. 35 oh, millimeter? 35 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about an Afro-Portuguese teen living in the south of France who's a photographer and has to, is sort of struggling with the presence of his mother's new boyfriend. It's a coming-of-age story. He's forced to make some really tough decisions. I want to spoil it for mm-hmm. you. Some really good acting. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. I got inspired by that one because I met this Afro-Portuguese 16-year-old kid uh, in 2011 on the street. And he didn't speak English. But he started taking my picture. And we're, like, still friends. I, like, talk mm-hmm. to him and stuff. And it's not his life, but I was like, yo, these are the black people that you don't see. Because I remember the first time I went when I was 20 and I saw, even just passing through airports in Amsterdam or London and mm-hmm. seeing all these black people who look like me, but they didn't sound like me. and they mm-hmm. didn't I was like, wow. <clears throat> I really want to tell a story from a perspective of a black kid in Cannes. Because mm-hmm. they like the same stuff. I saw some a black kid with a, um in the McDonald's in France with a Detroit Red Wings hat. <laughs> I said, "You from Detroit?" He said, "Nah, I wear it because Big Sean wear it." <laughs> I was like, "What?" He Big Sean yeah. was a cast tech same mm-hmm. year. I did it. Yeah, hmm. by the way, and um, yeah, so that's the because they're influenced by you know American things. Of course, things. of course. But it's a trip because um, I want you to talk about a little bit about how you made that film because like for instance um. I'd say 85, 90% of the film takes place inside of the flat, the apartment, right? Well, some of Something it takes like place. That. Well, I but, don't know if 80%, because a lot of it takes place on the beach. Well, yeah, there's yeah. that. But a, a lot of it takes place inside between mm-hmm. him and the stepfather, whatever he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was I asked her at one point, you know, why she chose to shoot it there. Mm-hmm. Like, the beach could have been any beach, but the way she shot it is like, oh, they're definitely in France. You know what I mean? It, well, oh yeah, to, you, you know what I mean. That production, value but she was there. so because because there were other people going. Oh, we could do maybe we could do it in Santa Monica or whatever the fuck. And she was like, "No, I gotta go to France. <laughs> I gotta go to France." So well, let's just talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, uh, me and my producers and I location scouted for like two months. Uh, every weekend we would go to four or five different beaches. So we went mm-hmm. all the way past Oxnard, mm-hmm. Port Wyneme, and what is it, Saint Mugu State Beach? <laughs> I don't even know the names of these beaches. Mm-hmm. No beach looked like the beach in Cannes. Mm. There was nothing that we could do. And it was really hard because none of my producers have, only one of my producers has been, and they couldn't really see, mm-hmm. you know, so I would show them pictures and it just wasn't working. 
So we actually um, did shoot on the beach in Torrance. Oh, really? We shot mm, probably like 85, 90% mm-hmm. of the film in here mm-hmm. in November. And I was looking at it and I said, you know, I wrote this scene where he's running down the street in France. I mm-hmm. said, to have him walking around in Cannes mm-hmm. is what we need. But it was a whole lot of money that I had to spend. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if I should do it. And I remember I was struggling with the idea over Christmas break. I was in Detroit. My dad said, you the only one scared. <laughs> He's like, just go do it. Mm-hmm. And so my producers were um, at home with their family. So like within like three or four days, I had to turn around the entire production in France. This was really wow. crazy. You know, from getting a camera package we didn't have, mm-hmm. um, from finding a crew, which mm-hmm. we didn't have. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> didn't know. <laughs> Uh, figuring out how to feed all those people, mm-hmm. you know, deciding who to take. It was just me, my DP, and my lead actor. Wow. And um, figuring out how to get the film stock over there without mm-hmm. being damaged, or was I going to have it shipped to me there? It was mm-hmm. just, I just stayed up um, to like 4 a.m. every day because that was when they could correspond with email. Because, oh, you know, wow. they're, yeah, they're six ahead hours of ahead of yeah. Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I know I can't let these days go by. I have to sit and stay up and wait until they're mm-hmm. on the email or right. on the phone or. I was text messaging people. <laughs> I didn't even know, like, hey, I'm, my name is Eric. I'm in Detroit. And so how did you raise the funds to do it, to get that money to go to cons, you know, to, um, to be able to do that? Well, the let me see. We had a Kickstarter campaign. It was 111% funded. But that was only, like, 10000 It was, mm-hmm. like, 11000 And Kickstarter took, like, 1100 Yeah. Which made me frown. But, wow, um, that much? Yeah. <laughs> I was like... And so after that, I you just did student loans. Mm. Yeah. Was that how you funded all your shorts, like from Kickstarters or? The other shorts that we did in Detroit didn't really need funding because okay. we you just did there. what we wanted to do. <laughs> and Ain't I nobody was, tripping off you shooting <laughs> on the streets over here. Yeah, I never <clears throat> got a permit in my life. And I was, I've been really fortunate in knowing how to get things for free. So mm-hmm. for almost all the films I've shot, including the ones in France, they've paid for all of our meals. Um, wow. You know, Jesus is real. Like, <laughs> I don't, people always say, how do you, how do you do, you know, it's not anything to duplicate. It's just a favor of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the truth. So I never, um, you know, I, t- had, I took out, this film costs over $35,000. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> for a film Would have been like seven if she just did it on digital. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so to speak. But yeah. she wants that, that film. No, I'm but. teasing. I'm teasing. Now, the, oh, that, that's amazing. So that the, the film um, that you did over there, did you feel like you had enough material to maybe actually make it into a film? Like, is it something like later you might want to explore, like, hey, this is enough material, the short's good. You know what? I might want to explore this character some more and actually do a feature film. People ask me that. I don't think, I don't think so, because I think sometimes you just got to let things be... Nice and sweet the way they are. Mm-hmm. People mess up a lot of things yeah, I agree. by trying to make it more than what it is. Mm-hmm. And his story is just that it one was, time. It was it belonged to a sequence of shorts about different boys, black kids in different parts of the world. So if anything, I would go and shoot the other ones that go with it, and then mm-hmm. maybe oh, okay. put them together. Put them but together. Mm-hmm. I would not um, make that longer than what it was. Mm-hmm. So what are we gonna do to get you to do a feature now? Mm-hmm. Which what's the project? What's what what scripts do you got working on right now? I wrote a um, feature called Solstice, which is about three black kids in Mobile, Alabama, who think that the world is going to end on the night of summer solstice. Mm. That's good. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. There are three 
parallel story. It's like the hardest thing I ever wrote because they're a story, a B story, mm-hmm. and a C story. Mm-hmm. And each one of the characters have different lives and different problems, and all the stories weave together mm-hmm. as one. And it takes place over seven days because um, it's counting down to the solstice. Mm-hmm. I had to write that thing in four days. What? Wait, you had to write you it? Have to write I, it, it in because I was nominated for something which I will not say, but it was really high honor. And mm-hmm. I had some pages, but it was just sort of like on the back burner because I was studying at USC. Mm-hmm. So wait, you were nominated for something, but you had to have some product to go. F- and they, when they emailed me and they said, you've been nominated for this very big thing. Uh-huh. You need to have a script in this many days. And so I had, I <laughs> had to do, we were shooting 12-hour days at USC. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And I slept probably two or three hour days and I wrote oh that I had. But did you already have the idea in the back of your head? Like some memory. And then when that moment happened, you're like, okay, I got to put it on paper now. Or well, was I, it from I scratch? Some of the, I had some of the A story on paper. But um, the B and C story were not fully developed. So mm. I had to do the arc. I work with the A sequences. So I had to do the arc of all the characters and make sure that they fit within the total arc of the film, mm. which was tough. So I had hundreds of flashcards mm. on my carpet. Mm. And it's just moving them around and figuring out, oh, I can't put this here because this means that they're, mm. learn- they're talking about information before they've learned it. Or right. this means this character is mm-hmm. just, you know. And I had to learn how to sort of stagger the beats and the plot points mm-hmm. dealing with so many different characters is kind of crazy. Let me ask you a question. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you went to USC. Mm-hmm. Is Now, I know of it, at least I hear that it is from most of the gurus that I've talked to, USC is known to teach the sequence approach. Is that what you studied there, do you know, or what did you... Uh, I've your... never, I was never a screenwriting um, major okay. at USC. Mm-hmm. I did production. I know a lot about screenwriting because I studied in undergrad and I just practiced it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, starting when I was 19, like just all day, just me. And so I kind of already knew how to write, but um, I've only taken two or three screenwriting classes. Mm-hmm. And the last class I took script analysis with Irving Bellatex, he's like a genius. Mm-hmm. He taught us the eight sequences. Okay. That's not yeah. something that everybody does. Yeah. But it's something that I like. That's how I write. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah, it's extremely it. helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. it easy because <clears throat> it used to be that everything was like every 15 pages. And now I do everything like every 10 pages so that it's shorter. So you end up at about 95 to 100 pages and stuff mainly for whatever script you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it makes it move faster. Right. You know? Um, and actually, when I write a TV pilot, I write it the same way. Hmm. I break it off into sequences. But I think of every act as a sequence. Right. The same thing, you know? For sure, I love I love the A sequences, and remember you know about Frank Daniel, mm-hmm. and you know when, just 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 our teacher's explanation of like how back in the day they would have to change the film reels and film mm-hmm. reels were only fifteen minutes because they were a thousand feet, and so they wanted people to stick around, so they mm-hmm. had to make a complete story so that by the time they changed that mm-hmm. thing, they had an act one, act two, and act mm-hmm. three within that fifteen minutes. Right. You would want to stay. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, <laughs> light bulb. <laughs> and I even do it in the short. Mm-hmm. I see Act One, Act Two, and Act Three within a short film. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah. still do it. Yeah. And so I love the eight sequences. Yeah, I like totally it works. Too. Totally mm-hmm. works. Um, I was going to ask you. Let's talk about the. Um, when did you start doing the conversations in Cannes uh, documentary thing? Oh, we did that, and Allison and I did that in 2011. And what is that? It was just us talking to 
black filmmakers in Cannes for them mm -hmm. to speak about their experience and tell other people how easy it is, or not easy, but to encourage them to come. Mm -hmm. yeah. How long how long were the conversations like the Ooh, I think <clears throat> I think maybe like five minutes, I think. Okay. Um and we only did like five of them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought it was pretty Would you cool. put them on YouTube or something? We put them on Vimeo. It was like okay. my first semester at USC, so mm -hmm. every Friday we would put out a new one. All right. Uh, it was just people that we knew. It was Najim Glasgow Maeda was one of them. He's like the founder of the Caribbean Film Corner. Oh, okay. Um, Wendy Okoye Obulu. Obulu. Mm -hmm. She's mm -hmm. a writer for Shadow and Act. And who else was it? It was uh, William Kensington, who's my friend, who's a Parisian rapper. William is one of the realest people <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> Will be like Will is like that dude. I'm like, I need you to call Italy for me, and because he's one of the only people I know who speaks Italian. In the morning, they ask them if they got this package, and yeah. he'll do it. Like he's my. That's my helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else was it? It was and Desiree Oman, who was who was then he was the. He was involved with the Pan African Film Festival in Cannes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because they have one there in April, just like. You know, sort of like the one in um, in Baldwin Hills. They're mm -hmm. not related, oh. but they have their own Pan African Film Festival. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I never think yeah, I which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been to that one too? Um, no, I know the director of it, but I've never gone. What 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 other we talked about Cannes? What other big film festivals have you been accepted to? None yet. I've only ever submitted there. That's the only place what? you submitted to. Really? What? I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. Um, That's funny. I'm gonna start now submitting to big ones um because i would have thought that because like i've been in a couple of pretty big film festivals with some of my projects and you start getting calls for people saying hey i'm with this particular film festival can we show your film and you're like sure so i would assume because you're in Cannes, you'd be getting them all the time wow i am now that i've got this film that i'm really proud of yeah. but i don't know i don't it's, it didn't really I knew that one day that I wanted to go to some of those festivals, but I wanted to have a certain kind of work. Like, um, a lot of my classmates go to Sundance. I've never been mm -hmm. because it's um, close to when school is or sometimes um, it's when school starts. Because I, I think your film will get in Sundance easily. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, definitely. They uh, sponsor our scoring session, the Sundance Institute. Oh, really? They pay um, for us to have a full orchestra, and we record it at the famous Bridge Recording Studio. Wow. Um, so... They showed us some love. Mm -hmm. But I've never gone to Sundance because I never wanted to miss school. <laughs> no, for real. There are just a lot of professors who, like, if you miss mm -hmm. more than one class and you, your grade is going down, and um, I was just like, man, let me just get the school out of the way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so even if you were to submit it to, like, hey, professor, um, I got into this film festival because uh, I'm going to school to learn how to do film. Mm -hmm. And um, can I go? Well, I'm and, sure they and they would have been like, no. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, I mean, the teachers at USC support stuff like that. I just, I because I didn't have a film there for me to just go. Mm -hmm. I didn't um, want to miss the days of school. Mm -hmm. Understood. I mean, but I want to go in January, so we'll see what that's looking like. I'm gonna start going to more. My mom say, "Why do you go to the same place every year?" Because <laughs> it's the biggest one. <laughs> She's like, "Why don't you go somewhere else?" <laughs> like you don't understand, it's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what it is. You don't got over there and liked it. Like I'm here every. This is my spot. It's like we need to get you to branch out, yeah. go to some other festivals so people can start seeing the work and coming at you. 
I mean, but can open my eyes to the world. Like, I was just 20. I never even, I didn't even really know how to navigate through an airport. I had to write in a notebook the steps. What do you do <laughs> when you go to, like, the first, do you get your ticket? Do you go to baggage? You go to baggage? You, know, oh, you had never been on a plane first? before? Or I had been on one when I was 19, okay. the first time to go mm. to um, New York, and then mm. I had never been again. So I was okay. like, whoa. It's like two, and three it hours is, away, and it is right? a little intimidating when you're going outside the country. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. then your first fear is like, am I going to be able to understand? I'm going to get there. Am I going to know how to say anything? Mm-hmm. And thank God Europeans are smarter than most uh, Have you Americans. been to Cannes? Because you go to France every other year or something. I go to Italy. You? Italy, okay. Yeah, I go, yeah okay. I go see the family in Italy. You know, I should go to Cannes. I really should. Mm-hmm. But You look like you were killed. Oh, I probably But I go home I go home to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I go sit on a beach in <laughs> Italy <laughs> and I, we just eat and drink mm-hmm. wine and like, Cannes, please. <laughs> I caught the train to Italy last year for the first time, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, Ventimiglia. Mm. It was cool. Mm-hmm. It was but yeah, cool. it is, like you said, you go to different countries, intimidate, but I think I really like the fact that you're getting that experience, and especially from the fact from hearing you say things like, I hear this a lot from other black people who don't realize that, uh, yeah, there are black people all over the planet that are not just in Brazil or Africa or mm-hmm. the United States and the mm-hmm. Caribbean. Like, they are everywhere. And I think that is going to be helpful for you because, like you said, it's going to make you want to do more global stories and 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 show different, different sides of blackness on the planet, mm-hmm. which is something I always advocate and I love, especially with my own fiction writing. Mm-hmm. I write a lot about different stuff. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of black filmmakers mm-hmm. is I don't think we have a vision of anything outside of the U.S. And I think a lot of times the filmmaking that I see, and I'm just, this is just my humble opinion. Sure. I'm not going to shoot nobody down <laughs> with some of the black film festivals that I've been to. <laughs> where I've had to uh, probably, probably uh, bring my... Have a little drink, a little sip before I go in and sit down. And be, <laughs> where I have to go on and be like, if I see one more again, mm. one more film where it's like the same stupid comedy mm-hmm. or the same domestic drama that we've seen before. And it's just like, and I think that's why I really love the Pan-African Film Festival. Okay. Because at least I'm going to see documentaries. I'm going to see stories from around the world that are going to open my eyes. It's one of my, like the LA, the Pan-African, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I try to go to every year when I can mm-hmm. because I think in terms of, of blackness and filmmaking, mm-hmm. I'm going to see something I've never seen before. And it's going to make me connect and be like, yeah, maybe I want to travel. Oh, I want to see that. Or it's going to give me a different way of writing mm-hmm. or a different way of, of creating a new story. And I think a lot of black filmmakers really need to get out of the country, you know? And one of my dreams is to be able to go to um, maybe one of the film festivals in Africa. Mm. Um, of course, you know, of course, yeah, you want to go to France and see all that fancy stuff. But mm-hmm. I just I just really wish more black filmmakers would, one, see a lot more foreign films. Uh, 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 how about just watch some films, period? Well, speaking of that, because the, the new, Outside, the new, the new show that I'm writing on is is about this South African restaurant. <clears throat> so I was talking with um, one of the guys who's going to be consulting, mm-hmm. right? And he was telling me all about Africa, and, but he's this African guy. And I think he's from Nigeria. I think he's from there. Ooh, Nigeria. Okay. <laughs> all right. I think he's from Nigeria. And, um, but he was talking all about Zimbabwe and like all these different mm-hmm. things and how he was like, you need to, people, he said, we need people like you over there. He's like, you need to take your company and go over there. And I was like, what am I going to go over there for? He said, do you know how many people are over there? You could be super big over there. And he was talking about, and you probably know this, and he was talking about how 
um, the uh, because they don't have all the technology and they don't understand how to make the things like we know how to make. Yeah, the infrastructure. That to really they get need it down. people like us to go over there and help them. You know, to learn how to work for and make all the things that we can make. And I was just listening to him talk about this stuff because there is a project that me and one of my big producer friends, Pam, that she wants to do um, over there because of some of these reasons too. Mm -hmm. So now I was like kind of reinforced by somebody from there mm -hmm. going, no, you have to go. Well, with you the, have to. With the, 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 the film industry with Nollywood, just Nigerian film industry, I mean, they put out a lot of product. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're like, you know, probably number two outside of Bollywood. Mm. But I think I always thought that too, like years ago, because it was like off the, one of the horror things, scripts I wanted to write, I want to take place there. Cause I mm -hmm. thought, my God, that's like, you know, that audience is there. You sure. can have that kind of like, international flow you can go anywhere and, mm -hmm. and do that and i think i i would love to be able to do something like that go mm -hmm. there do some films and um the audience i mean it's just it's just having somebody with vision to go and just do it and sure. i think if somebody here actually went and did it mm -hmm. and did it successfully well, child they'd be eating it up real quick you know because there's a lot of great actors there's a lot of great things that you can do in film <coughs> in africa and other places i think we just don't we just don't tap into it true you know true. Because we just think, because we always think, you know, movies, that's just Hollywood, you mm -hmm. know, you know, hey, Hollywood, that kind of thing. And right now with, you know, I say it every time, they are making films now for China. Oh, yeah. They, and I've said, I've told y'all this years ago before, <laughs> even before I was even doing the podcast, I said, you watch it. They're going to start doing productions with China. Mm -hmm. And part of the, part of the deal is going to be putting Chinese actors in these parts. Sure. And show enough. Iron Man, all these other films. So I think African filmmakers and African-American filmmakers, that is something we might want to think about doing, mm -hmm. bringing some of the actors, some of our actors over there, because that market is huge, and True. we're just not tapping into True. it. And you well, my, are on the cusp. You are one of those people. Well, I have to give props to my DP. He's like my brother. His mm -hmm. name is Tommy Maddox Upshaw. He is phenomenal. He just came back. Like, last week he shot in South Africa for three months. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? A feature mm -hmm. um, called Kalushi. Kalushi. It's going to be beautiful. Sounds like a great name. Mm. What's yes. that about? Do you know? Uh, it's a biopic. I don't want to speak too much about okay. it. I'm not. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not. I don't know all the details about it, so mm -hmm. I don't want to misrepresent it. But mm -hmm. there are a lot of um, people. There's a group from USC who just shot something in South Africa mm. last month. Mm -hmm. African filmmakers. The presence of African filmmakers in Cannes is enormous. Mm. Like they are there mm -hmm. and they are present and. African cinema is some of the coldest cinema I've ever seen. Do you have you ever heard of Mohammed Saleh Haroun? Hmm. He did a film called Gri Gri, yeah. and did a film called The Screaming Man. He's one of my favorite directors mm. of all time. Mm. He's from Chad. Mm. So you, you, when she sends you her film, you'll see you actually you film like a European filmmaker to me, <laughs> yeah. which is a compliment well, because yeah. Lisa has opened my eyes up to a lot of foreign films, specifically horror films in particular. Um, I tend to be stuck on the American ones. So we I, have got to yeah, break yeah, you I'm, free. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm starting <laughs> to. Low. We I'm gonna start, get free. We go give, so give us free. I'm starting to expand. Give I'm us to expand. free. <laughs> um, and where's I going with that thought? But it, it, you, to you, to me, film like one of those type. And to me, I think that's partly why you do so well. Why you've won the awards? Oh, one thing we didn't say was. Um, we, Eric and I, we, we're both in the on the in the black committee at the Writers Guild. We both were, and we were we were at. Well, I forgot we were there for that one at, that one night. But we were standing there talking with Kim and um, Terry from the diversity, and somehow got to talking about her screening her film, 
And she was like, I don't know if you just threw it out. Like, boy, I would love the screen to hear something. And Terry and, <laughs> and Terry and oh, no, uh, I asked him, I said, do you know a place where I should have it? That's what it was. Yeah. And then she was like, you could do it here, <laughs> like here at the at the writer's guild. And she was like, like, really? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So um, we ended up screening at the writer's guild uh, like two months ago. Was mm-hmm. it something like that? Yeah. A May 19th, we had a. Uh, private screening at the WJ, which was really nice. Erica Alexander hosted it. Mm-hmm. She's my friend. Mm-hmm. She teaches me so much. She's really funny, though. Mm-hmm. She says things that <laughs> embarrass me sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, it was cool. She was, was cool. funny, though. She, yeah. she was hilarious. And it was yeah. a packed room. It was a great, you know, great setting and everything. And that's, that's what you want to do, you know, because I have mm-hmm. a movie that's about to come out um, about black men and suicide. Mm. Um, called The Hidden Toll with my girl Elisa Banks and um, so actually we were in the editing room yesterday <clears throat> and she turned to me and she said so are you going to ask the Writers Guild to screen and I said and I looked at it and I went yeah I think this one this one's probably perfect for it you know because mm-hmm. it's got to be specific for me you know I'm not mm-hmm. just going to have any old movie in there um, mm-hmm. but yeah your movies in particular to me I think it's because of the way you use the way you use the camera and the type of stories you tell, for me, you're one of those people you would kill at Sundance and Tribeca, in particular in America. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put that in the universe. Oh, it's already <laughs> out there. I just want my write that down. I just want my ten percent. Well, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't don't get my sensibility. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are a lot of times when I was getting feedback from different people, and they would say, "Oh, the camera's too slow." You know, it's, it's you just cut to the next thing. But I, <laughs> why are you still focusing on this one thing? But I just mm-hmm. really use, you know, I do what I feel. I don't really care so much about mm-hmm. rules, screenwriting rules, mm-hmm. other than screenwriting rules. But you know, filmmaking rules. Filmmaking mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. I mean, if it services the story, and I, well, and that's why. Once again, when you we're so used to an American aesthetic in films where everything is so fast, fast cut, fast cut, MTV style. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got ADHD. It's too much. Got, got, it, it's too almost much. too much. And I think for a lot of American uh, viewers of film, it's it is difficult for them sometimes to watch a film from another mm-hmm. country because they're so accustomed to like a, a, a jump cut every ten seconds mm-hmm. that when you actually have to sit your ass down and look at something and actually be in that moment, it's mm-hmm. very difficult. For them, so you know you're gonna get that from people who are gonna be saying things like, "Oh, it's too slow," or this, that, and the other. But it's just a different um, mode of telling your story, and not everything has to be fast jump cut. Not mm-hmm. everything has to be explosives and all that. No. Sometimes the drama and the passion comes in silence. Sometimes it comes in just a close up of something and sure. something in the background. But I think that comes with being a student of film and understanding did get, filmmaking. Did you guys see in the Untouchables? That one? Which one? The, the French one. The French? Yeah. The black it. guy and the white guy. With Omar Sy? I yeah. saw part of it. Oh, I love that movie. I'm trying to see love so many movie. movies. I but that, that's like the type of movie that I would want to be doing. Mm. Like that. Yeah, do it. You know, that's me. It's just character driven to the hundredth degree. Mm-hmm. You know, an odd character and a, another. Just love that shit. Mm. That's me. Mm. Um, what was I thinking? I was going to ask you something a moment ago. Um... Well, let's talk about your writing process. Mm-hmm. What's what's your process like? Um, I guess it depends. If it's something that I usually write in my head a lot before I put it on the paper. Okay. I've written Hubado, 
a year in my head before I put it on paper. Really? Like, <laughs> Can you spell that so the people will know? Oh, it's R O U B A D O. Okay. My producers and I, when we were being lazy, we call it rubato. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hubado. So the R is silent? Like a who. Yeah. The R, okay. Because mm-hmm. it's Portuguese. Okay. It's stolen. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's some. I, I try to write an outline for everything before mm-hmm. I write it. Because I don't like to write aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if there's something specific that's in my mind, I'll write that down and keep it. Like if there's a scene or the mm-hmm. beginning or the end or a character description or something, mm-hmm. yeah, then I'll write it down. Okay. I don't know. It's different all so the time. So you beat it. So do you have to know like your ending before you even start? Do you just start your outline like this could happen, this could happen? Or do you already know where it's going to end? I would usually know the ending first. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then I got to figure out how I'm going to get there. <laughs> do you sometimes work backwards? I know the beginning, and so I do my outline and try to make sense of the beats. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How long does it usually take you to knock a draft out? Um, For shorts, I usually write them in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm better at writing things, knocking things out quickly. Yeah, and you, I think you should be. Because mm-hmm. if I have to, I just, because I do so many things trying to be like, I'm going to write. <laughs> Two hours every day, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work for me because I gotta play harp, I gotta play piano, I gotta direct, I gotta location scout. Mm-hmm. But if I say this weekend I'm gonna write something, mm-hmm. then I'll it'll be done. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, mm-hmm. not the perfect way, but mm-hmm. and how many how many drafts are you do you usually go in? Um, do you usually feel pretty good about your first draft that you feel like you put in? By the time you get to shooting them, you've rewritten it so many times, or what do you think? The the first draft that I wrote of the short that I shot was it. That was it. Rubido? Mm-hmm. Rubido? And um, there were times when I changed things mm-hmm. because, you know, some of the teachers at school thought it would be simpler. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, sort of like be producing it on paper, but I just... At the end of the day, I was like, yo, it was better the way I wrote the first time. So I did 10 drafts of that, and then I went back to the first one. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's so funny because the film ends in a particular way. And um, my school thought that I should have a more complete ending. People say that to me sometimes. But I made, like, this alternate ending where the kid is supposed to go, like, to the train station and go mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And we, we did all this work. We had to convince the people to let us shoot at the train station. We had to go with the camera. It was, like, mm-hmm. this huge fiasco. And then Tommy, my DP, was like, yo, sis, this ain't your story. This ain't the truth. This ain't what you wrote. And so we just didn't do it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we, I was like, you're right. You know? That's a so. good DP. It, well, it reminds me of um, when I did my first film, Troublesome. It takes place on a subway train. And uh, <clears throat> I had this super amazing um, art department girl um, we got the train, we put it in Don's big ass warehouse, and we had to, we were gonna set it up against the wall and she was gonna build all these like pipes with dripping water so it looks like outside the window they were stuck inside of this tunnel. Well, a week or so before, she ended up booking some big job and couldn't do it. So it ended up we had to just put blacks on it. And I was so pissed off that I wasn't gonna have this beautiful, gorgeous, you know, element to my to the to the production value. And when it came down to it, you hardly even you, see out the windows ever. The window and yet. I was like, what the fuck was I tripping about? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're supposed to have a huge thunderstorm. 
Really? I was so upset because we couldn't get it to rain. Like I. Oh, we, you wanted it to rain? Oh, yes. I w- was talking about getting rain trucks and mm. sump pumps and <laughs> talking to all these different special effects companies. And the beaches would not allow us to pump foreign water oh, into the man. ocean. Even though the water was purified and it's cleaner yeah, right. than the ocean water, they wouldn't let us do it. Wow. So I was very upset. But then I said, okay, well, I'll just have the rumble mm-hmm. and the wind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do I have sound effects? It worked. Whatever yeah, I think I think it did. I was real sad. Yeah, about that. Sometimes you get stuck in your head. Yeah. on the way it's supposed to be, and then when you do it, you go, "Oh, I didn't miss that at all." Really? Yeah, it would have given it something, but right. that's only because you know it. Right. But the yeah. other people who don't know, could be like, eh, they well, don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because I I talked to so many people about, and I told them what I wanted. They go, "I don't, wouldn't even have recognized," <laughs> you know. But I probably would have found more ways to show depth through the window, though, had I had that film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it was better without the rain. It was hard enough doing it. It was extremely frightening Mm -hmm. to be in the ocean and nighttime is pitch black. Because y'all was in the water. Yeah. See, I don't be in the And it was, what, (laughs) November? It was like cold, really cold. Oh, cold, too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. You had to take after taking that cold ass water. It's like, I hope my actor don't drown out here because. Oh, (laughs) we got to talk about that. So, the girl who, beautiful girl who you had. Oh, yeah. What's her name? Her name is Tiffany Tennille. Tiffany Tennille. Mm -hmm. Now, they did this beautiful scene where it opens on her, like, floating in the water, Mm -hmm. like on her back, and she could swim or something. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> so who so who was underneath holding her up? Nobody. <laughs> she practiced herself, right? She I mean, she did it. She went out there. We had a um I had somebody who's an underwater photographer. And that was the only part of the film we shot in sixteen millimeter. Because mm-hmm. I went put that thirty five millimeter in a hydroflex. Mm-hmm. And we put it in a box and he's diving with her and kind of getting her and she's going you know. And she's perfectly just sitting there like this, just looking beautiful. And know? just praying, like, please Lord, don't let me drown. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we got the yeah. shot. She told me, well, because she told she, you she could swim at first, right? That's she right. could. She could. She told me. I mean, <laughs> I think that she can swim, but I think uh, being in the ocean is different than being in a pool. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That tide is really strong. Mm-hmm. So she she made it look effortless though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was really just land there. Just <laughs> <laughs> perfect though, you know, just floating, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was really ballsy for that one. I mean, I did hire a lifeguard mm-hmm. and I hired a police officer. Oh, wow. All these people had to be on payrolls. Mm-hmm. Insane. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. the stuff that you do, you shoot for your short, had they all been that everything that you've written yourself? Yeah. For most, for the most part. Yeah, there may have been like a lot. Some of them were documentaries, but there, I think there was like one little thing I did that my DP. Allison in Detroit, she had written it on just directed, but most of it was just me and her. Mm-hmm. So when you do your feature, mm-hmm. are you going to be open to, are you specifically want to do like, I just want to shoot my own stuff, or are you open to shooting other people's work? Sure, if it compels me, if it's good, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and if I if I can put my stamp on it, mm-hmm. um, and really let my, you know, let my voice be known, then yeah, I'll do it. Because I'm thinking, because you're saying that her, her, her aesthetic is very it's very non, European to me. It, yeah, it's you not. Know, that's a compliment. Yeah, it is. Well, my aesthetic is European because yeah. I was making a European film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. Um, All of your for, movies. Okay. I kind of mm-hmm. tailored it to what right. I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like they talk about Louis feels like a small French film or something mm-hmm. whenever you watch it. Right. So that's why I was thinking about your film feels like it feels like, you know, like whoever made it is from that. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's what I, that's how I wanted it to mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted the personality of the city mm-hmm. to be. Because um, they speak in French and Portu- mm-hmm. Portuguese. And my too. lead actor doesn't speak a lick of French. Wow. <laughs> He's not even 16. He had to learn it. How long did he have? He did it in a couple of days. And Perfect I accent. Take them out to Van Nuys. I got this homegirl who speaks <coughs> Portuguese and French, mm-hmm. European Portuguese, because mm-hmm. everybody I know spoke Brazilian Portuguese. Yeah. I was like, it's not yeah, the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So we had to be really meticulous. And um, yeah, but the the mom and the mom's boyfriend, those characters, the, the actress who the plays mother. the mother is from Martinique, mm-hmm. and the actor who plays the mom's boyfriend is from Haiti. He was so good, too. So we sat down and determined what kind of French we're gonna speak. We're gonna be on on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kind of, or does this character speak slang or is it more proper? Or and then once we did that, they were able to sort of keep him in check if he would say something wrong. But he was so committed, mm. like he was so committed uh, to saying it right. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of a little bit of like David Elowet. How do you say David Elowet? Uh, David Oye Lowo. He reminds me of him in a way. <laughs> yeah. Totally committed actor like that. He he could he could be. He's really the intense. next. He's bad. He's, he's bad. really and he has like this cute little British accent. It's funny. Yeah, and that that was probably what made me think of it too because he's totally little little you know sharp dressed little British dude. It's mm-hmm. funny. It's he's funny. actually from Sierra Leone. Okay, which was colonized by uh, British Famous. people. Mm-hmm. So he has like that not quite mm-hmm. British. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lives in LA. He lives in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh hilarious. That's hilarious. So, um, what's next? I just graduated uh, May 16th. So, mm-hmm. just trying to develop these new projects. Okay. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. Are you having anybody? Is anybody, you got agents and managers, anybody hitting you up? Or I'm anything? working on it. I've been talking with some folks, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's the right path. Uh, for me, that's sort of been like a big lesson because you think. Well, what do you mean by that? What, what's your hesitation about that? Let me just ask you. Um, just trying to, I'm just trying to figure out which is the best, what direction to go. Because mm-hmm. I know what I want, but there are a lot of different ways to get what you want. Okay. And um, I'm very calculated. Everything mm-hmm. I do, I plan to a T. Mm-hmm. So this has been an inter- interesting experience of just like opening up your life and seeing mm-hmm. where God may want you to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because certain things I want, I realize that they may not be best for me. Okay. Like, I remember when I didn't get into NYU, I lay in bed and I cried. <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, NYU is my dream. How can I not? <laughs> Clearly, I was supposed to go to USC, <laughs> be in LA, yeah. and meet all the people that I met and do all mm-hmm. the things I did. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been sort of just surrendering a little bit to the will of God. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, well. Well, we talk about that a lot, being open to change. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, embracing change, you know, things things that you did, you didn't realize it was going to open the door for that, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. all the time. So, yeah, my thing now is, like, I'm actively working all the time, yeah. but it's just realizing that things can come in different ways than you imagine. Mm-hmm. So that's what mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean. <clears throat> now, you just finished in May. Is there anything, because, like, I haven't directed anything this year, and, um, so I keep on trying to figure out how I'm going to get back behind the camera again because it's like a muscle, you know. Now, I'm one of those people whenever I'm producing something, I'm standing behind the monitor, you know, making sure that the vision is what the director and we all agreed on. And I'm also one of those people that I would never overstep a director when they're directing. But if something's not right, I'll be like, 
let me holler at you for that. What do you think about, and it's a conversation. It's not like, you can't. I'm like, well, what do you think about if we just move a little to the left and you can see all the way to the ocean? Mm-hmm. Just think about that. You know, I'm talking to a person like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of feel like I'm on the set a lot doing that. But it's a difference, you know, mm-hmm. when you're the one mm-hmm. that everybody's going, well, you know, right. what do you think about whatever, you know? So I'm just wondering, what are you doing to keep that muscle going, if uh, you will? I don't know. I've been doing a little stuff here and there. There are some people who have been asking me to direct a web series and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, if it's something that I think is cool, then I'll mm-hmm. be a part of it. But um, I don't know. The muscle is always going okay. when I look at life. Yeah, I always see shots or the way that I want things to be directed. I'm always talking about different aesthetics and learning and okay. yeah, okay. working on next stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you thinking about? Because um, I know that they just uh, um, what was it? Because I wrote it down. Because I know it's specifically since you were going to be on the show, I was asking about the Fox mentoring program for women directors. Oh yeah, I want to apply for that. Yeah, I'm because because um, Nicole Bernard. Mm-hmm. One of the executives mm-hmm. who's part of the Howard Mafia, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know we, we've talked about this before in terms of of women in film um, and some of the stats I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, six percent of the top 250 movies mm-hmm. that were made in 2013 were women. Mm. Even though we're like more than half of the people who see the mm-hmm. movies. Also, 23% of the creators of TV shows were women, mm-hmm. even though we watch a hell of a lot of TV. Sure. And of course, um, only 12 to 14% of the DGA writers, I mean, writers, the directors are mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. So, with the Fox Initiative, if you're not, not clear about it, they're doing a Fox mentoring program for women directors. And of course, it's being spearheaded by Nicole uh, Bernard, who's, like I said, a Fox executive. But one of the things I'm really excited about that is because. Number one, one of the things I keep things I keep hearing is when you're in this business, especially for directors, a lot of people get their start by being mentored, mm-hmm. and a lot of women are not supported, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of being mentored, especially in dealing with directing itself. Sure. So I'm really thrilled with this, and I'm hoping that some fantastic directors come out of it. So I wish you would hurry up and yeah, apply girl, and, and get that. in there for because sure. you know it's just. More women, it's just it's just more ways to get more in different narratives, mm-hmm. you know. And I think the things that you're doing, especially going to cons and thinking outside the box, I think that's really necessary. And if you don't apply within the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to type your name in. Send away a packet like, yeah, you know, you know, she needs to get in there. But I'm really excited about that, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's something that's necessary. And I really wish more. Um, studios would really embrace and do something. So a good shout out for Fox for, you know, giving it a go and see what happens. You know, Definitely. Sure. And, and that's why I would, I would, do you ever see yourself doing any television? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. And the, this is why I was just having this conversation with my friend, Elisa Banks. <clears throat> and, um, she just, uh, directed, um, this new hit web series. Um, she did like one of the episodes mm-hmm. and I was telling her about like, cause I directed it last mm-hmm. year on one of the mm-hmm. other shows. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about things that you need to expect on the show. And I was trying to encourage her of why she should direct this particular one or any of them in particular, knowing that I know she wants to move into TV, right. is you have to get yourself used to coming on a set with all these people you don't know and working on their stuff right. with their crew, with their cast, 
and it's good to do it on a smaller thing. So when you do, when you are blessed to be able to come and direct, you know, an episode of freaking Scandal or whatever, <laughs> you'll be able to be like, okay, now I kind of, right. you know, I mean, it's still much more bigger and different, but mm-hmm. at least you start to know, okay, I'm coming on their set, right. their script, their whatever. I'm a hired person. To, you know what I mean? Right. You start getting your mind ready for that. So that's why I would encourage you to mm-hmm. definitely for sure take, of course, the ones that, 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 that you want to do, of course. Um, Definitely, because I have some things that, now that I know you consider doing a web series, I might have to hook you up. <laughs> sure. Because I don't always have time to direct. I'm like, look, I need some good some good directors in here to do some shit. For sure. Mm-hmm. So I got $3. <laughs> as long as the food is good. Oh, I'll be, I'll get my shit catered. Oh, well. Now, what you got to say? Well, I just got to say, can I do my clap back? Yeah, let me, um, thank you. Oh, Appreciate thanks it. for having me. Yeah, you see, it was easy. We it's just were talking, painless. You know, yeah. just talking about you. I'm cool. Talking about, how you, <laughs> talking about this, you ain't nobody. You know, all that. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta tell them about Go the ahead. screenwriting yes. panel. Oh yeah, I'm oh, hosting yes, a screenwriting. I'm hosting and organizing a screenwriting panel at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall for the Lamert Park Village Book Fair. Oh, when is this? August 9th at three o'clock, and the community room is gonna have Aaron Rasan Thomas, who's the executive producer of Southland and Sleepy Hollow, Rob Edwards, who is the writer of The Princess and the Frog, Abdullah Williams, who's the writer of Lottery Ticket, Eric Alexander, who played on Living Single. And mm-hmm. she has that Concrete Park comic book. Yeah. You all need to get that shit. <laughs> yeah, in October. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, her husband, Tony Perrier, mm-hmm. who wrote the comic book with her mm-hmm. and Eraser. And drew the pictures, too, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Damn it's it. a lot. It's going to be a lot of... Um, Great people, and I just wanted the panel to be geared who's, towards who's moderating the panel. Me, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted the panel to be geared toward geared towards helping beginning writers to go through all the steps to get what they need. Because so many times I go to panels, I'm just trying to glean some little bit of information yes. I could apply to my <clears throat> life. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yo, why don't I just ask the questions people really need to know about mm-hmm. representation and mm-hmm. how to get on a um, you know, in a, in a room." Mm-hmm. Because I think that people think that those are stupid questions, but people really don't know how that, to get in a writer's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly why we started this show. You know, we both teach at the Organization of Black Screenwriters, and we've taught at the Writers Guild a bunch of other places. <clears throat> and we wanted a show where we could be like an extension of that that we already teach, but be able to be more ourselves because we got to be a little filtered when we're teaching for an organization. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, that's kind of why we did it too. So we. We definitely, definitely get what it is you're trying to do. I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm excited. Cynthia Exum is the founder of the Book Fair. They've been doing it for eight years. Wow. So you need to get in there, girl. Book you, Fair. You have a a book? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I mean, an anthology. Long hidden. Oh, uh, speculative fiction from the margins of history. It's yeah. been doing very well. I'm very proud of that mm-hmm. book. All black women. Or all huh? women? It's, no, it's everybody. Oh, what I it is? It was just women it's women doing this. No, one. no, okay. no. It's all ethnicities. It's speculative fiction oh, from the margins cool. of history. I just came back from Boston from doing a, a reading from it. But it's from it's global, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Men, women, um, different cultures. Basically, it's stories, sci-fi, horror, fantasy <laughs> that are set in places that most people ignore. So it's mm-hmm. not all. European mm-hmm. dragons and fairies and stuff. Like, is your Medusa style one in that one? That might, yeah, Maydew. You gotta my tell black, her that. You gotta black, tell her that. The black Maydew. Tell her what that's about. Black, it's black Medusas in the Wild West. My story is, is letting y'all know that Medusa originally comes from Libya, North Africa. She's black, 
And um, <laughs> yeah, Rome and Greece kind of borrowed her a little bit. And mm-hmm. I just took her back and I set her in the West <laughs> and I made her black with dreadlocks and doing all kinds of crazy stuff mm-hmm. on the Wild West. And it's based on um, real black history. Okay. Um, black cowboys, uh, Mexican vaqueros, all of those people who, who actually built America mm-hmm. that we've ignored. And these are all stories from people all over the world whose stories have never been told before. Okay. So it's amazing. Right. But let's get into Lisa's world famous. My clapback. Yes. The clapback basically. Tell her what it is, girl. Erica, the clapback is when something happens or I see something or I hear something and I have to respond. I got to like let people know <laughs> how I feel about stuff. So there are two get things. In, get there are in. two things and they're really quick. All right. First of all, look, bitches. Put your, put your money down right now. <laughs> I am trying to make my early Oscar predictions for next year. Oh, damn. You all. I'm right early. Here. I'm trying to give y'all a chance to catch up. So I'm going to give you two of my picks for right now. Uh, all right? Yeah. Here's my two picks. Here's the first one. Tilda motherfucking Swinton. Tilda Swinton was in Snowpiercer. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm a Tilda Swinton fan from way back when I first saw her in Orlando. She's like one of my fa- I would marry her. <laughs> If she played Orlando, was that character, and she can switch genders, and you, I love her. So if you have not seen Snowpiercer, I'm letting you know right now, she will be mm-hmm. nominated for Best Supporting Actress okay. for that character role. Mm-hmm. Because for one thing, when you first see her, you don't recognize her, and she's phenomenal, and she's amazing, and she adds so much to that movie. Mm-hmm. So that's your first pick. Here's the second <laughs> one, Best Actress from Bill. Yeah. Gugu. Is it Mubatha? I apologize, sister, if I messed your name up. It's Gugu Mubatha Ra, mm-hmm. who played the lead in that. That's it's, about the painting, that one? It, it's one of the most nuanced and subtle performances. Mm-hmm. She's be- it just It's one of the first movies that I've seen that deals with a black woman in a period piece. Mm-hmm. It's like she's like a black Jane Austen movie come to life, and she's her own hero. There are no one? white saviors. Mm-hmm. There is no Prince Charming that comes to save her. <laughs> this is a sister mm-hmm. back in the olden days <laughs> who is the hero of her own story. And it's a gorgeous film. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. Okay. She's going to be nominated for Best Actress. She might not win, mm-hmm. but my money is on. She has to get nominated for okay. that performance. Mm-hmm. Okay? So those mm-hmm. are my two picks. Tilda Swinton for Best Supporting Actress for Snowpiercer. Somebody. Okay, mm-hmm. and from Bell Gugu Mbatha Ra. Now the other clapback I want to talk about that's uh, got me a little heated. But I'm gonna be, heated, but I'm gonna be real nice about this because I don't know if y'all heard. What happened in the comic books world? Only because I'm from San Diego, you know, Comic Con is coming next week. Look, Uh-oh. haters, <laughs> you sexist, racist haters. You I'm know who the you, gut, you know, it? you know who you are. I see you. You know that they're going to make Thor is going to be female. They're making a female Thor with the comic books, and it's going to be a black Captain America in the comic books. So they just announced this for Marvel Comics. Wow. And three, two, one, the racist and sexist people have been talking shit. First of all, if you know anything about the Thor comics, Mm -hmm. the goddamn hammer said, Whoever can wield this, That's okay? Right. Whoever can, now that could be anybody. So mm-hmm. what that lets you know is there could be more than one Thor. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Whosoever can wield this, mm-hmm. come on now, I mm-hmm. can wield it. Mm-hmm. I could be Thor. Mm-hmm. So the fact that oh now she Thor, look. No, <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing. They're going to have a female Thor, and she's going to be badass. Mm-hmm. And there are men who are upset. Damn it. Yes, and you know they're losing their shit already. What a black Captain America! <laughs> a black Captain America. 
fuck this. I'm moving out of this damn country. This is some bullshit. <laughs> look, <laughs> look. <coughs> Keep your panties on, people. <laughs> this is America. This is the land of diversity. This is the land that every motherfucker from the country wants all over the globe wants mm-hmm. to come to. Okay, this country was built on black people and native peoples. Mm-hmm. To let the rest of y'all enjoy the fruits of our labor. <laughs> so if we want to have a black captain, if Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. this is Marvel now. Top not of even the top. Not, not even my comic book. Top of the top. I'm DC baby. Are you DC? I'm okay. hashtag Team DC. <laughs> hashtag the bitches. Okay. <laughs> but I'm gonna give a shout out and like go ahead and do that shit, Marvel okay. Comics, because mm-hmm. you know what? It's go- well, number one. I bet you're gonna sell some comic books. Now I know how it's gonna be. I know how it's gonna be. <laughs> couple of months, a couple of runs of these comic books, y'all gonna go back to the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. But just for the moment, can I just can I just revel? <laughs> and you're not gonna give me a Black Panther movie. You okay. know? So mm-hmm. let me just live vicariously <laughs> through a Black Captain America. Because you know when I saw the, the Captain America Winter mm-hmm. Soldier? Mm-hmm. In my mind, Falcon was really Captain America. Oh, that's you know, right. so that's I just right. I just flipped it in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I just do that. Like if I don't see what I don't see, I just make it up. Okay? So Give it up, people. Go ahead, Marvel Comics. Do that shit. A black Captain America, a female Thor, I am so riding with you. Mm-hmm. And then I will not ride with you once you flip it back to your same old, same old. But for the moment. Why he got to get killed in episode six all of a sudden? You know what? <laughs> that, that is the history of our country. You know. you know? But what's interesting is that the fact that they're doing this now, especially when the movies are doing so well. Which so is well. the white characters, yes. you know, with the, of course, the, mm-hmm. the added additional colored folk on the mm-hmm. side, on the fringe, mm-hmm. you know. So I think this is amazing. Um, y'all need to get with the program and, and make that Black Panther movie happen. <laughs> but since I can't have that, I will take your black Captain America and I will love his blackness. I will take your female Thor and I will love her femaleness until mm-hmm. you switch it up. But um, that's all I got to say for this week. Okay. So put your money down. You're going to put your money down? Put your money down, bitches. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Snowpiercer. And if okay. you haven't seen Snowpiercer, what is your problem? That movie was amazing. <laughs> I was sitting there going, and I, I, I okay, y'all should have seen it already, so this is a spoiler alert. Spoil it. Can I just spoil it? Spoil it, bitches. Colored people mm. are going to revise the planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, colored folk, specifically Asian and black people. Oh, so if you haven't seen the movie, I ain't I'm spoiled nothing. I ain't now. spoiled nothing for you. I'm moving now. But this that movie, this movie was good. <laughs> this movie was like, God damn it, they mm-hmm. are doing. So- it was just amazing mm-hmm. from start to finish. There's some people I got to talk to who were like not really happy with the ending, and we'll have to discuss that. But Tilda Swinton is gonna win Best Supporting Actress. Gugum about the Raw is gonna win. Well, she's not gonna win. She's gonna get nominated for for Best Actress for Belle. Okay. And get with the black Captain America and the female Thor people. So that's all I got. That's all I got. See I was how, actually tame see, today. See wait, wait, wait. I'm actually, no, no, I'm actually tame today. <laughs> I am proud. She tame. I am tame today. She's slamming her fist all up on the damn I know. Thing. I am so sorry for the sound that you hear of pounding, but sometimes you got to <laughs> let people know, like, look, can we just have nothing? <clears throat> see what I'm talking about? See what I gotta it's do. Good, with it's good. Every it's good. It's all good. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to come read some Marvel comics. So now. y'all heard her. That was Lisa B. Going off of her crazy. This is why we call her the street nerdist, y'all. T. She crazy. That's all I got to say. I'm just telling you how I feel. <laughs> That's all. So yo, thank you so much, Erica thank you Watson. For having me. Appreciate it, Lisa B. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Even though you cray cray. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so where can they find you? 
Uh, on Twitter, my mm-hmm. name is at Watson Erica W A T S O N E R I C A. Look, we ain't even friends on Twitter. Okay, I, I follow you. You do? You don't follow. I don't me. never get no likes, <laughs> or no no favors, or no, what they call it. Retweets. Had I had seen it, stars. I would have retweeted your ass back. <laughs> 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 would you do Lisa when they when they let you go? What you do? What you do? What? <laughs> Lisa got this philosophy. What? Okay, wait for it. What? Okay, at the end, she always says, don't follow me. And I'm like, why, bitch? Why not? <laughs> because. Because, you know, there's the app that you can track to see when people unfollow Maybe you. Maybe she needs to get rid of that. No, because <laughs> I feel like if I'm going to follow somebody and support uh-huh. them, and if they decide, you know what? She's just a little too much for me, okay. and I can no longer follow her, mm-hmm. then I need to know this so I can unfollow you. Because I'm not going to blow you up and signal boost your stuff, and mm-hmm. you can't even hang with me. Mm-hmm. You know? Because mm-hmm. honestly, people, honestly, what I say on this show is is I'm not the only person who thinks these thoughts. Yeah, bro, you're right. I may say them out loud in mixed <laughs> company and people will clutch the pearls. <laughs> but you need to realize it's a nation of millions can't hold us back. Public ah. enemy, baby. We out there. So, you know, I just feel like if you're not going to ride with me, I'm not going to follow you okay. anymore. <laughs> That's why I just tell people, because I get my feelings hurt. Like, just don't follow me. See y'all in high school. Just don't follow me. Just don't. But where can they follow you anyway if you they decide to follow You can follow me on Twitter if you want to. <laughs> at Lisa Bolakaja. B-O-L-E-K, you know, jump up and fight. All my Niger, Nigerian <laughs> folks out there, ride or die. But don't follow me unless you are willing to put on your... Your lovely little protective cap and your seatbelt and your knee pads and your elbow pads. You'll be willing to jump into the future. An extra shout out for uh, Halle Berry for the the X stand. Did you see? Did y'all see it? Did you watch it? It's Paris directed episode. Who who directed that? Yeah, I think Paris. Okay. I was gone last week. Mm-hmm. I was flying last Wednesday when they were actually showing it. Okay. And, I, you know, I read the script. Mm-hmm. I saw the first episode. Mm-hmm. I finally got a chance to watch it. I was impressed. Good. So good for you, Halle mm-hmm. Berry. I'm a, we'll see how the show goes. But mm-hmm. I was so impressed. So yes. I'm so excited. I'm, I think it's going to be hot. I hope so. I hope so. There's a lot of shows I'm hoping and praying on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We sh- I'm just saying. I'm um, hoping I'm and praying saying. on mine, too. Yeah. Anyway. Well, there you go. Um... <laughs> So again, I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You can uh, hit me up and follow me on Twitter. As you see, like Erica said, I'll follow you right back, too. And uh, shut up. Don't be saying that. <laughs> I don't like your attitude. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. And uh, please follow us at uh, Screenwriters RR because Screenwriters Rant Room is too long for Twitter. Y'all need to fix that. Okay. That's some bullshit. Hmm. Um, um, also, if you guys want to hit us up anytime, screenwritersrentroom at gmail.com. Um, <clears throat> and some of you guys know some of the guys who listen to the show every week. Um, we, we haven't been consistent, but we will squeeze them in more often. Um, we'll do our Don't Sleep On Them segment. Yes. And that is a time in the show where we read from... Um, we read like a scene. Usually, like we tend to like like the opening scene. I love the opening, the opening page, scene, the first page of the first page or two of somebody's script, where it's mostly action, hardly any dialogue, where they go in and just really, you know, we when we sit there, we read the, the the scene, and then we talk about why we liked it, why it kept us reading, how it moved down the page, how it popped. You know, we really go in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, we opened it up to um, we had uh, Rick Reynolds on from Screenplay Festival um, a few weeks ago. 
and we opened it up to some of his winners. Mm-hmm. So some of them sent me some scripts. Oh, cool. So starting as soon as we come back after this next break, okay. we'll, um, we'll, 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 actually we'll, we'll bring some in to sit well, with Oh, that's us exciting. Too. Yeah. Yeah, some of I them love, I in. love, that's the part I love about yeah. uh, doing the show is when we get to read and really go in and talk about this is how you need to be writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I apologize. Sometimes we run a little long, but... Um, so we don't always squeeze them in, but we will. I promise you, we'll we'll we'll, we'll just have to tighten them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so thank you again, Erica. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. We wish you all the best. Yes. And just tell them when is that? August ninth. August ninth at three o'clock at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall in the community room. You can August just hit 9th. me up on Twitter for okay. details. Okay, because this might come out in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about two weeks. Um, Something like that, but I'll let you know. I try to get out just in time so we can promote this, no doubt. Cool beans. Um, and so that's what's up, y'all. Lisa B, thank you. That's Drive always. safely back to the SD. Oh, child, look, you know, you know. She's rushing back to the Please. It's, it's going to be traffic. It's about some, it's going to be a party up in Hillcrest in San Diego. <laughs> let me let you know right now. And my friend is having a geek, uh, you know, for the Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. We having the geek. He always has his annual geek superhero really? bad guy party. So I got to figure out how I'm going to dress up as. I'm sure you're going to be a good some, guy maybe or a bad be, guy. Maybe be well, you should be Thor. I, I will be Ooh. the female Thor. You should open it up. I show, up. I show up. Cool. Well, thank y'all. Y'all hear us. Screenwriters Rant Room. We silly as hell. So uh, listen to us again, man. Follow us. Please, guys, give us a five-star review on, um, um, tw- what the hell? I'm going to keep thinking Twitter. <laughs> iTunes and Stitcher, and y'all. Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Hook us up. We appreciate it. It keeps the metrics up. Um, so thank you, guys. We have fans like freaking all over the world right now. You know, France, Germany, freaking Russia. I'm like, Russia? Russia. You know, hey, y'all be safe over there in Russia. What do you say? Mm-hmm. I said Privyet. Yeah, can you say it in France for us? What do you say? I just said Privyet. That's what how you say hello in Russian. That's it. How do you say it in French? Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> oh, we don't have bonjour in the project, so. <laughs> that was funny. So, bonjour. All right. Well, thank y'all, man. London, all of y'all. We appreciate it. Uh, much love, and we will see you guys next week. So do me a favor and keep it street, keep it opinionated, and keep it what? 100. Peace, y'all. Ciao, family. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rap room. Ah.